plans for this place, for this people. He is not remotely close to done with this place. You have not yet seen what God has in store for the people. It says, I has not seen nor ear heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man what God has for those that love him. Exactly. He did not come. Paul, Paul told the church, I did not come with enticing words of man's wisdom, but I came with demonstration and with power. What we need, we don't need smarter words. We don't necessarily need better systems, although I absolutely love the fascination and the, the way that people have started talking about the systems that we use in the church. It's a good thing to have better uh, organizations, organizing small groups, organized discipleship, organized uh, outreach methods. Absolutely wonderful. Uh, Texas and, and brother, uh, Dave, brother David Hussey were discussing before church about this outreach method that we uh, got when Brother Fish came through and our little surveys that we had, ways to get people's phone numbers ways to get prayer going for people, ways to reach out and do get Bible studies. Wonderful, absolutely great. But Paul said, I didn't come with enticing words of man's wisdom. I, I wanted to know one thing among you, and that is Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I, I desire to know one thing among you, Jesus Christ and Him crucified. He said it wasn't enticing words of man's wisdom. It was demonstration of spirit and of power. That's it. We need demonstration of the spirit and power. We need to make sure we're in the will of God. We need to make sure we have a relationship with God. But when we have a relationship with God, when we have, when we get ourselves in the center of the will of God, living in the, not, not just the acceptable will of God, not, not just the good will of God, but the perfect will of God, when we get in that place and get perfectly aligned in His area, His zone, in a good relationship with Him, the natural result will be these signs follow them that believe. In my name they will cast out devils. They will speak with new tongues. They will lay hands on the sick. They shall recover. If they drink any deadly thing, it won't hurt them. They will take up serpents. These signs will follow them that believe and have a proper right relationship with God. Now I'm not preaching about any of that. But... It's what we need. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Just getting a little excited about what God's doing in this place right now. Amen. If you have your Bibles with you, please turn to the book of 1 Samuel chapter number 17. 1 Samuel chapter number 17. We'll start reading at verse number 1, and it will be up on the screen if you do not have a Bible on hand. But... You need to get a Bible in hand. You need to, at the minimum, download your Bible onto your phone. At minimum. You got your phone with you everywhere you go, you need to download it on your phone. And if you don't have a smartphone, get a Bible, put it in your hand. 
you can't read or you have trouble reading, get a Bible, get it in your hand. I, I've, heard, I've heard stories of God miraculously giving people the power to read the Word of God. And only the Word of God. Not the newspaper. Not, not novels. Not social media. Only the Word of God. He gave that miraculous power to, to a man. Anyway, if you have your Bibles, 1 Samuel 17, start reading verse number 1. Now the Philistines gathered together their armies to battle together. And they were gathered at Shoko, which belonged to Judah, and pitched between Shoko and Azekah in Ephes Damim. I have no idea if I said any of those words right. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together and pitched by the valley of Elah and set the battle in array against the Philistines. The Philistines stood on a mountain on the one side. Israel stood on a mountain on the other side. There was a valley between them. There went out a champion out of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span, and he had an helmet of brass upon his head. He was armed with a coat of mail, and the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of brass. He had greaves of brass upon his legs and a target of brass between his shoulders. And the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and his spear's head weighed 600 shekels of iron, and one bearing the shield went before him. He was armed to the teeth. He looked intimidating. He was big. He had a lot of heavy stuff on him, and he had some heavy weapons on hand. And he wasn't even alone. He had another man carrying his shield for him. And he stood and cried to the armies of Israel and said unto them, Why are you come out to set the battle in array? Am I not a Philistine? Are you not servants to Saul? Choose you a man, one man, for you. And let him come down to me. I want to duke this out one-on-one. -on -one. Let's, not, let's not go to the trouble of army to army. Let's take this battle one-on-one. -on -one. Come on. Isn't one man in Israel strong enough to fight one Philistine? Are you servants of Saul? I hear you've got a king. He's head and shoulders bigger than everybody else. Come on, fight me, man to man. That's what he's saying. And he said, and if, if, you know what, I'm so confident that I can win this thing. If, we, if, I, if you win, if he's able to fight with me and kill me, we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, you're going to be our servants and serve us. I'm so confident that I'm willing to bet this whole fight on a man-to-man -man fight. Come on, fight me. Fight me right here, right here, just... My head, aim for me. Come on, come on. One on one. And the Philistine said, I don't have this one up there. I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. I'm going to read a couple more places. Uh, you don't have to flip there if you don't want to, but I am going to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5. 
Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. And finally, this one might feel, feel a little familiar to a couple of you people today. Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Pray with me today. Jesus, I love you. I thank you for all that you've done and all that you have yet to do. You are good. You are holy. You are the mighty God. You are the everlasting Father. You are the Prince of Peace. Everything that I have is thanks to you. Lord, I, I, I do not have great wisdom to give today. I want to I see today a demonstration of spirit and power. Lord, I pray that we wouldn't just hear your word, but we would do your word. That we would do the work of the one that sent us. That we would see a Holy Ghost outpouring today. That we would see that we are not our own. That we are yours. That we don't have to fear the work of the enemy, Lord. You are mighty. You are everlasting. You are a holy and righteous God. In Jesus' name, I love you, Lord. Amen. I'm, I'm curious. Anybody here ever been in a fight? Anybody here ever played a game against a cocky opponent? You ever played against a cocky opponent? Anybody ever been trash talked? What, what, what do people say when they're trash talking? What do people say when they're trash talking? Anybody willing to offer me some trash talk lines? What? Come on. All right, anyone else? Anybody? Come on. No trash talkers in the building today? Why don't you give up while you're ahead? Why, why don't you, come on. Look. Anybody? Come on. You ain't nothing. Come on, send your grandma out here. Send your grandma out here. I've seen... You fresh out of the nursing home? Okay. What, what would you do if... What would happen if you were to actually listen to trash talk lines and believe them? What would happen if we were to say, okay, I'll give up and send my grandma out here. You know what? I'm going to surrender the game right now. I'll go ahead and give up the game right now. I'll go ahead and give this game up right now. I'll go ahead and surrender it to you. I'll let you have it. You know what? I absolutely believe 100% that you are actually going to turn me into a mop and, and take care of the floor with me. You're literally going to pick me up and use me as a mop. I believe you. So, okay, here. Here's my legs. Just mop, mop the floor with me. Literally. What if you took every trash talk line you heard literally? 
That's what these guys were doing. He said, send me a man to fight me. We'll duke it out one-on-one. -on -one. And they said, okay. You want to do it? No, you want to do it? You want to do it? I don't know, man. And Casting Crowns put it this way. Oh, what I would do to have the kind of strength it takes to stand before a giant while I hear the sound of a thousand warriors shaking in their armor. There's a thousand warriors shaking in their armor because of one man. Why are they doing this? What is up with that? They are taking trash talk literally to the point where the king is saying, hey, if you'll listen to this trash-talking enemy and fight him one-on-one, -on -one, I will give you... I will give you this special reward package. Tax-free. You can marry my daughter. Now, you dads out here, have you... I don't know exactly any of you that's willing to say, you know, if you're willing to take up a bet against my enemy, I'll let you marry my daughter. I don't know any dad out there willing to take that deal, but Saul was. He's so scared of a trash-talking giant that he's willing that he's willing to send out a great reward package over it. The king is willing to listen to the rules of the enemy. Why, why is he willing to listen to the rules of the enemy? Come on. We do realize this is the army of Israel. What has the army of Israel done before? Let, let's take a look at the accomplishments of the army of Israel. A ragtag bunch of people. The first army of Israel that we really hear any records of. The first ever army of Israel. Receives a battle plan that makes zero sense, but it works. The first ever army of Israel. Receive orders from an angel. To storm a city. By walking for six days, one time around the perimeter of a walled city. And then on the seventh day, march seven times. Don't put out any battle cries the whole time. Be totally silent the whole time you march around the city until on the seventh time, on the seventh day, you will march around the city playing music loudly. And then shout. Yeah. And I love the way VeggieTales portrayed this. They are going around with marching band music. I heard, I heard Xavier talking today about the fact he's equipped on a snare drum now. Texas uh, played a few instruments for band in school. And they're literally out there with marching band equipment. As the veggies are as they march around the city taunted by grapes throwing slushies on their heads. And then finally at the end they literally... And the walls come tumbling down and then they storm the city. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, another army of Israel was equipped with nothing but water pitchers and torches. Yep. And the battle cry of, the sword of the Lord and Gideon. Okay. 
And they won because the enemies chickened out so much that they end up killing half of their own soldiers. And yet this giant is standing before this same type of army saying, let's duke it out one-on-one. -on -one. Send me a man to fight me one-on-one. -on -one. Now, these brilliant military minds descended from the blood of Joshua, descended from the blood of Gideon, descended from the blood of Jephthah, descended from the blood of Deborah, descended from the same blood of even Saul. Saul had faced trash-talking enemies before his first battle as king. He was offered this piece of trash talk. If you don't cut a, if you don't pluck out your eyes and if you don't pluck out each each of you pluck out your eyes and cut off your thumbs or if you if you don't pluck out your eyes then we're going to come and we're going to take over your city anyway and pluck them out for you. And they send a message to Saul and say, "Hey Saul, we're being attacked." And this is the deal they're offering us? He said, okay, okay, I want you to send him a message and say, we'll listen to you, just give us about 24 hours to, to think about your deal. And so what he does, he masses an army, goes and sneaks up on the enemy while pretending that he's going to listen to their rules. Now this same Saul, years later, is cowering in a palace over one soldiers trash talk thinking I have to play by the enemy's rules why not storm him and go more than one-on-one -on -one? dude you stormed one enemy why you won't why won't you storm this enemy he said fight me one-on-one -on -one, but who said you had to listen to that rule why don't you storm him? Why don't you not go down into the valley and instead get an archer to pull out an arrow and shoot him between the eyes? Mm -hmm. I know Jonathan has a bow. He uses it with David later on. Saying, David, the arrows are beyond you. I know Jonathan's good with a bow. Why don't you just get your boy out there and shoot him in the eyes? Or, or, and I know it says in the book of in the book of Judges that the Benjamites, your king's tribe, had a bunch of left-handed men that could shoot within a hairbreadth with slingshots. What's up with that, Saul? What what happened to your sharpshooting skills, Saul? What happened to you, Benjamites? Why are you cowering? Why are you shaking in your armor? Or, or I, hold on, I, I got another idea. This one may be too simple for you, Saul. I don't know why you haven't done this yet. I, I, I mean, it's what Joshua did, and it's what Gideon did, and it's and it's what Deborah was busy doing. And uh, uh, why not pray? And ask God, what do I do about this giant? Actually, I've got a simple answer for why, for why Saul did none of that. Saul was not on good terms with the prophet. Amen. Yeah. Amen. 
Saul was not on good terms with the prophet. In fact, he was so busy dealing with evil spirits that he had recently had to hire this kid to come in and play music for him a lot. And now he's being attacked by a giant with words. And he's thinking, I have to follow the enemy's rules. I've got good news, and it's, it's a really good thing because these soldiers are so busy thinking logically, or illogically, I think, actually. They're too busy following their enemy's logic and rules that somebody has to come in that's thinking different. And he doesn't follow the enemy's rules. As much as you're thinking, you're thinking, wait a minute, I know the story of David and Goliath. They went one-on-one. They went one-on-one. Oh, no, no, no. David did not follow the enemy's rules for one simple reason. Saul even says it to David. If you hop on down to the book of 1 Samuel, <laughs> verse chapter 17 and verse number okay let me find it here I'm trying to find it I didn't write it down that's my problem verse number 33 and Saul said to David thou were not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him because it's against his rules you're a youth you're not a man you're not a man. He asked for a man. I can't send someone that doesn't follow his rules. And he says, hold on. I know you're thinking about his rule book, but let, let me put it simple to you. Thy servant has kept his father's sheep. There came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. I went out after him, smote him, delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard, smote him, and slew him. I slew both a lion and a bear and this uncircumcised Philistine is going to be just like one of them. Because he's defied the armies of the living God. Yeah. He said it himself. I defy the armies of Saul. No. Saul's, he said, look, his rules don't even make sense. He's not fighting your armies. He's fighting God's army. His rules don't even make sense. And in fact, we find out even more later. Because when they win this fight, and they do win this fight, they don't follow their rules. Because they said, if he kills me, we'll be your servants. But instead what happens is the war continues for about 15 more years. They don't even follow their own rules. So why are you following their rules? Why are you following their rules? This makes no sense. In fact, you're listening today, and I hope you're thinking, yeah, this does make no sense. Why on earth did they follow the rules of the enemy? Because when they break the rules of the enemy and send out a boy who's got the anointing of God on his life, he quickly takes him out with just one rock swung by a slingshot that knocks him directly between the eyes. And in fact, he goes over there and he says, it's not enough that I knocked him out. It's not enough I knocked him down. I'm going to pick up his own sword. I'm going to cut off his head and make sure he's good and dead. And then they say, you know what? That boy broke the rules. So we're going to break the rules and we'll storm him. 
Yeah, that does make no sense, does it? It does make no sense. And in fact, because it makes no sense, I'm going to tell you today, I'm not playing by the enemy's rules. I'm not playing by the enemy's rules. Only the anointing, that freshly anointed boy, only that anointing is going to win the battle. Let, only the anointing is what allowed a boy who's only a teenager to go out there and say, you know what? That giant's rules don't make sense. That giant's rules don't apply to us because we're anointed by God. We're not under his jurisdiction. He's not our king. He's not our ruler. He's not our prophet. I don't know why you're busy listening to the rules of a shouting giant. He's not the prophet of God. He's not the anointed one. He He's not, the, he's not our king. We didn't anoint him for any role. He's In fact, he's not even allowed to be anointed because he's just an uncircumcised, out of covenant Philistine. His rules don't have to... I, I'm not playing by that enemy's rules. So let me talk to a bunch of... Let me talk to the, to the shaking army today. Let me talk to that rattling bunch of bones today. Let me talk to that valley of bones that think they're too dry and too brittle to do anything anymore. Let me talk to these people that are shaking in their boots because they've got an enemy that's screaming at them. And in fact, you know what? Let me... Okay, David talked to the ones that wasn't listening to the, to the enemy to the ones who were too busy listening to the enemy. But after he got done talking to them and they finally allowed him to go out there, he shifted his attention from the army and the king to the enemy. Amen. So I'm going to talk a little bit to you, but I'm going to talk a lot bit to the giant. Mm -hmm. I am come today to send out a proclamation to our enemy. I'm not playing by your rules. I'm, I'm here today to say I'm not playing by your rules anymore. What are those rules? What rules have we been given? Let me tell you one of the first things the enemy told us when we came to this city. Yeah. First thing that the enemy said to us after we finished a, a sermon talking to somebody, he said, you can't build a church in this city preaching that way. Amen. You can't build a church in this city preaching that way. You can't, you can't build a city in this church preaching that doctrine. You can't build a church in this city saying that there's only one God and his name is Jesus. You can't build a church in this city claiming that you have to baptize in Jesus' name. You can't build a church in this city by saying that unless you accept you be born again of the water and of the spirit, then you cannot enter into the kingdom of God. You, you, can't, you can't build a church saying that. You can't build a church saying that men have to dress like men and women have to dress like women. And You can't build a church in this city while you're busy saying that the, that the only way except you be born again, except that, you, that when you say that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no man can come to the Father except by him. You can't build a church in this city preaching that. Send me a man to fight me. Let me just say, it's been 15 years. Amen. 
It's almost been 16 years, y'all. And I dare say we have built a church in this city. I dare say we've built a church in this city. In fact, we've done more than just build a church in this city. We've influenced the churches in this city. The other churches have followed our trends. They said, you know what? That little building on 209 Gum Street, that little building has been flooded out with kids. They've got one Sunday school class, but somehow it's overrun. They've got... They baptize people in a horse trough, but people are getting baptized. I don't know what's up with that. I don't know what's up with that. You know what? Maybe we need to figure out what's up with those puppet shows and school, back to school bashes. Maybe we need to figure out what's up with the way that van route works. Maybe we need to figure out what's up with that. Because that's what they did, y'all. That's what they did. That's what they started doing. That's what they started thinking. We need to figure out what they're doing because something's working. You can't build a church preaching that. Devil, it's done. Devil, it's done. This church outlived the guy that said that. He didn't come back, but plenty of people did. Plenty more people did. Plenty more people were baptized in Jesus' name. Plenty more people are going to be baptized in Jesus' name. Plenty more people have did tack on to the holiness lifestyle. And plenty more people are going to tack on to a holiness lifestyle. Plenty more people have converted. Have converted away from thinking that it wasn't one man, one woman. And plenty more people are going to change away from that lifestyle. Plenty more people have been converted. Plenty more people. And you know what else that guy said? Even if you do get a church going, you meet up with this one particular family out there. They, they might be able to help you out. But good luck breaking their addictions. Oh, boy. Let me tell you. Addictions have been broken. Amen. I remember hearing, a, there, there was this one particular guy who came through here. There, there was this one particular guy. He was addicted. And by the time he left this place, he wasn't. Yeah. He, 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 was, uh, he was filled with the Holy Ghost. He had started coming, but he was dealing with an addiction to smoking. And one day he went to pick up a cigarette because he said, you know, I need a, I, I need a cigarette. And then he just felt something come to him and said, no, you don't. He put it down. Yeah. Man's name was John Autry. Yeah. It happened. And it's happening. There is, and it's going to keep on happening. Addictions can be broken. There are people in this place who have broken addictions to pornography. There's people in this place who have broken addictions to smoking. There's people in this place who have broken addictions to alcohol. There's people in this place that have broken addictions to methamphetamine. Amen. There's people in this place that have broken addictions to marijuana. And there's plenty more people who's going to break plenty more addictions. Devil, I don't know what you're talking about because it's done happening and it's going to happen again. Well, you have poor people here. And that's all that you're ever going to reach. All you can reach is poor people because all we have is poor people. Oh, no, 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 no. That's a lie. 
That's an untruth. That ain't what's happening. And that's not what's going to happen. That's not what's going on, devil. You can say all you want to say. But no. That ain't what's going to happen. Because we serve a God who said, I have come to give you life and life more abundantly. We pray it all the time. Upon the authority of your word, I've given and it will be given to me. Pressed down, shaken together and running over. He said he'd open up the windows of heaven and pour it out. And that's more ways than one. He's going to open more than one window. He's going to open plenty more windows than you can possibly imagine. Amen. Well, all you have to reach is poor people. And if they're safe poor, they're going to stay poor. We had people tell us, well, I'm sorry, but if you have to give stuff away to get them, you gotta get, you're going to have to give stuff away to keep them. Now, I, I just want to ask a simple question. How many of you came into this building because of a giveaway? <laughs> I believe they're here. <laughs> and how many of you staying because of the giveaways? <laughs> You're lying, and I know it. I don't think you become a preacher staying here for giveaways. I know it. Oh, you have to get If you got to buy them to get them, you got to buy them to keep them. That ain't a bit true. If, if you can get them through this door and let them hear the doctrine, let them hear the truth, let them feel the love, I promise you more is happening. More is yet to come. More is going to happen. Well, I'm sorry, you can't save over 3,000. Apostolic churches aren't allowed to be the biggest church in the city. You can't reach more. You can't reach 3,000 plus people. I'm sorry. That church building ain't going to ever get there. Not in that city. Not in that hard place. Not in that county. Not, not there. No, it's not going to happen. You can't save 3,000 people. You can't get 3,000 people there. Apostolic churches can't be the biggest place in this city. That's not going to happen. I'm sorry, devil, you're wrong. I'm sorry, that ain't, that's not the truth. Let me just come out on a limb right here. Because this one ain't happened yet, has it? No, I, I'm looking at this building. I'm not seeing 3,000. And I'm not seeing daughter works. I'm not seeing missionary locations. I'm not seeing that right now. But let me tell you, it's going to happen. There will be missionaries come out of this church. There will be daughter works come from this city. There will be these things because God said, I believe. If God said it, it's going to happen. I've heard pastors say way too many times, God didn't call me to pastor 50. God didn't call me to pastor 20. God didn't call me for that. God called me to pastor a different kind of church than what it is right now. It's not staying here. It's not going to stay this way. It's not stuck here. It's not staying here. It's not going to be this way forever. Let me just tell you, I'll write out for 
it will be the biggest church in this city. There will be more than this. It's not stuck here. We're not staying here. We're not staying in this building. We're not staying with this crowd. This is not all it's going to be. This crowd will multiply. There is more. There is yet to happen. Devil, you are wrong. You are absolutely wrong. This apostolic church is going to be the biggest thing that Marion, Kentucky has to offer. The flagship location of Harvest House. This is the flagship location of Harvest House. This city is the flagship city. This is just the launching point. This is just the beginning. It's time to cast your nets far beyond where you've ever cast them before. And in fact, let me tell you, you need it. Jesus said, cast your nets on the other side of the boat. Cast your nets on the other side of the boat. Prepare for a drought. Yes. And Peter cast out a net on the other side of the boat. Yeah. And the net started breaking. Yeah. Let me put this to you simple if you didn't catch that. Yeah. Jesus said cast out a plural word. <laughs> Peter cast out a singular word. <laughs> and it broke. Cast out nets. Peter cast out a net. <laughs> and it broke. <laughs> and he had to call for help, help me. Yep. I went in not knowing what was happening. I was unprepared. And how many times has it happened? Yeah. We are trying to do singular things for a plural result. Amen. Churches do it all the time. Oh God, I pray that you will send us a 3,000 soul revival. And we've only got 10 Bible study teachers. It's time to quit casting out a net and start casting out your nets because this will be the biggest church in this city. Hallelujah. Jesus. Come on. And, and let me put it simple. What? By, by mere gauge and guess, what's the biggest church in the city's attendance? What's the attendance most likely? What would you gather a guess? Biggest church in the city. What's the what's the attendance? Four hundred and two sessions. Too small. Way too small. And, and you're thinking, well, how can we possibly do that? We, th there's no building in this city that can hold 3,000 people. No, no, no. Not just sessions, not just, not just that. Pastors are going to be converted. Pastors are going to be converted. Sunday school teachers are going to be converted. Not our Sunday school teachers. That's how this apostolic church started. Amen. People going to Congress, people standing up at a, at a Baptist seminar and saying, Acts 2.38 says, and being laughed out of the place. Because the place 
when they got the revelation, didn't believe the revelation. It's, by the way, it's already happened. Here we come to this city. There was a pastor who got this revelation of the one who, who got this revelation that it says baptize in Jesus' name. I'm going to baptize in Jesus' name. It's done happen, y'all. Yeah. It's going to happen again. Yeah. It's going to happen more often. It's going to keep on happening. Daughter works are going to be happening. Pastors are going to be saying, pastors in this city are going to be saying, you're my pastor, Daniel Orton. And we're, we're going to be saying, what, what shall we do? And the answer's already put it out, printed out in the scripture, y'all. It says, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, breaking the bread and in prayers. Amen. It says, I didn't come with excellent words of man's wisdom. I came in demonstration of power. And that's what it takes. Apostolic churches can't be the biggest. Oh, but they can. And they will. And this one will be the flagship one. It's not going to stay in Marion, Kentucky. It's going to go over to the next city, to the next city, to the next country. And the enemy says, okay, I'll give it to you. You had the biggest youth group that you've ever possibly could have imagined. But you can't keep them past 18. Mm. Come on. Devil, it's done happened and it will happen again. Amen. It will happen again. Yeah. The, the, this, there will be far more than just who we've had. And guess what? Y'all, it's not going to stay with 18-year-old half-hearted people that come every once in a while. It's going to be more than people who worship God on Sunday. And deal drugs on Monday. Don't laugh at me. It's happening. It's happening. There are people who come into this church, sit in Sunday school classes, and then go out and deal drugs. There are people who come to this church and go out and smoke and drink and do whatever. Party around and do this and that. Yeah, I know. I've seen plenty of it, and it drives me way more crazy than it drives you. It drives God more crazy than it drives me. But let me put it to you simple. We're going to keep them past 18, and they're going to be wholehearted servants of the Lord God. Because that's what our God wants to happen, and that's what it's going to take for this church to be the church that he wants it to be. Okay, 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 look. Even if you get that, even if you get a youth group that sticks with a 100% retention rate, those that do backslide, I ain't coming back. You don't get those back. The ones I've taken, you don't get back because I'm playing for keeps. I'm playing for keeps. They're in my hands, and you can't have them back. I have them wrapped around my fingers, and my fingers wrapped around them. You cannot have them back. I've choked them out with thorns. 
I've put rocks in their soil. They've went off into my far country and they've joined themselves to me. But we're going to keep on standing at the door. We're going to keep on standing at the doorway. We're going to send out plows. We're going to go to the highways, to the hedges. We're going to compel them to come in. We're going to see the results because the Father said, I want my house full. When I was a teenager at youth camp, I had a few people with us. We had a smaller, we had a we had a small amount of people at youth camp with us. A few boys. Uh, Texas was there. Bobby was there. A few others. Um, I was at this at the altars, and it. I don't know how much of a vision it is. I don't know how much was my own thoughts, but it, I have clung to this vision thought whatever it was that God gave me. We were in a building about the size of what is known as the Tabernacle at the former Kentucky Youth Campground. It had beautiful carpets, beautiful wallpapers, beautiful painted walls, platform easily three times the size of this one here, a full choir, beautiful pulpit. It was Harvest House. Pews were full. This choir consisted of people that haven't been in this church in years. And up to the pulpit steps a boy who hasn't come to this church in a regular, in a very long time, announcing that we were having an international evangelist coming to preach the word that night. And that he regretfully declined that this, uh, that one of his fellow partners in ministry couldn't make it because he had to preach at his church that night, who also doesn't come to this church anymore. Years later, I saw another more complete picture of this. Before service, it was me, Brother Texas, and another boy praying together before service, doing something that I now realize is done by our bishop every service. I didn't know it then. Praying together before service, going out and strategizing what was going to happen that night for these 25th anniversary services of Harvest House. We had a full choir of backsliders that had come back. We had a preacher who would be a backslider that would come back. The man leading service is a backslider that will come back. God gave me that vision. Recently, one of these boys that was connected in that vision. 
I received a prayer request about him, and I just said one word. God, you told me he would be a preacher, and he's not yet. And he made it out of there. Devil, you're wrong. Our backsliders are coming back. Our youth group is going to continue to grow and not stay a youth group. As pastor, I said, so what do you think our enemy is saying to us? What's he shouting at us? What's his rules? And he gave me one word, fear. That's it. That's all of these, by the way. Every last one of them. It's fear. It's what the world, the rules, that's, that's the whole agenda right now. It's fear. It's what, it's what the voice of truth line that I said. It's warriors shaking in their armor. It's disciples that stay in the boat. And the rule of the day, it's fear. It's a king that stays in his palace. Does it stay that way? Long as we let it. Amen. Long as we let it, it's going to stay that way. I don't think it has to, and I don't think it's going to stay that way. What is your enemy saying to you? What's your enemy saying to you? What's he shouting at you? What rules does your enemy want you to play by? He wants you to die. And he, he don't care if you die physically or spiritually. He don't care one bit as long as you stay in these four doors or these four walls. Never go out these doors. He don't care one bit if you sit in your pew. He don't care. He don't care a whole lot if you shout across the building. Amen. As long as you stay right here doing what you're doing, singing your little songs and playing your little tunes. You see, sometimes you just need to walk out both nervous and excited Amen. into the valley of your war. To face the giant who threatens God's people clad in the armor of the Lord. Those around us are doubting any kind of victory, even before it even begins. Then our giant looks down and laughs in our face and says, Hey, do you know who I am? I'm depression. I'm your enemy. The power of death is in my command. I'm leukemia. Open your eyes. I can bury you right where you stand. I'm your ultimate nightmare. The reality of fear. My threats have been imitating people now for years. You dumb religious fool. Just get on out of here. Because I'm cancer. 
And something's going to need to hit your soul. A revelation, so it seems. A holy anger drill you. And boy, you get spitting mean. It'll shoot you right through the fibers of your spirit like a beam. And all across the countryside, everybody needs to hear you scream. Prepare to die. Cancer, prepare to die. I've got a message from the God whom you have defied. You come against me with your weapon from hell. You come against me with your fearful evil spell. But I come against you in the name of the God of the armies of Israel prepare to die Amen. fear prepare to die for the last time you come against me with your weapon from hell you come against me with your fearful evil spell I come against you in the name of the God of the armies of Israel disease hatred jealousy principalities powers rulers of darkness prepare to die How you kill it? How you gonna kill it? How you gonna wipe out fear? How you gonna wipe it all out? He's not giving us a spirit of fear, love, power, sound mind. I talked about it a little bit in that message, Josh Herring. Texas talked about it today in class. Texas talked about it in class. You're thinking. Amen. Those castles in your head. Strongholds. Tear them down. And after you tear them down, they must be replaced. Yes, amen. Pastor said it quite clearly and quite concisely. You have got to change things. We have to stop playing by the enemy's rules. And instead... Philippians 4 and 8. Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, pure, holy, be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. We've got to change our whole set, our mindset. I need music because I'm just ready to wrap this still up. It's just, here's how it needs to work today. Everyone stand, please, with me. Just stand. We have got to quit listening to the enemy. I know Gideon went down to the enemy's camp. Now listen to the enemy. We need to quit listening to the enemy on his terms. It's perfectly fine to hear his strategy. It's perfectly fine to look at what he's thinking. But you cannot hear the enemy. Just like it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. means hear and obey. We can't hear and obey the enemy. The enemy's talking to you all the time. You think, oh no, the devil doesn't talk to me. That would be creepy. No, that would be normal. Because the enemy speaks to you every day. Every evil thought you have is a thought that the enemy sent. 
you just decide sometimes it's you. You decide it's me. I'm I'm the one who's depressed. I'm the one who's afraid. I'm the one who's got perverted minds. My mind's perverted. the one with the thoughts of perversion, the thoughts of wickedness, thoughts of violence. No, 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 you're not. The devil is trying to talk to you every day. Every time a violent thought comes through your head, that's the enemy. And you can respond if your Holy Ghost filled with love, joy, peace, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, and long-suffering. Because if there is no responding to my enemy today. Here's how we're gonna what we're gonna do today. Today I want you to talk to the enemy. Talk to the enemy. I want you to tell him plainly and clearly. Pastor said speak to the wind. Prophesy. devil we are going to have a church we are going to have a youth group we're going to have hungry souls we're going to have businesses that are booming in this city our people are going to start businesses that are booming in this city we're going to have a pastor that's on fire for God that knows God's direction Somebody just start talking to you in this place right now. Just start talking. Just start talking. Start prophesying.
supposed to be a normal service today. He does not want this to just go off and be a one-off in your head. This is not supposed to be a one-off in your head. God wants to show his power in this place today. He wants to pour out callings, anointings today. And we can respond the same way and have the same results and not see.
out to some more people who need healing in this place. And Jake can preach just tonight. This afternoon, not to play by the enemy rule. If you need a healing and you're still standing there, you're playing by the enemy's rules. Because it's fear that is the biggest tactic. One of the biggest tactics to use. And there's only, according to the word of God, how do you fight fear? Since God did not give us the spirit of fear, what did he give us? Like he said it earlier. What is it? Like, what is it? So, there's one enemy called fear, but God gave us three weapons. Right? Love, power, and a sound mind. So we have three against one here. So if you need deliverance, don't let that one voice speak to you. But let the love of God, the power of God, and the sound mind come give you a healing today.